Hello and welcome to an At The Flicks Pod Short. Today, we are joined by Darren to address something that has previously generated a lot of comment. I am talking about Neil's now famous foreign language podcast comparison to the English remake discussion. Surprisingly, the majority of comments were aimed at me. <laughs> and some listeners felt I had a dismissive attitude of foreign language films. So you don't know me. Obviously do. I think that's unfair. And I would say in those circumstances, don't shoot the messenger. Aim at the message writer instead. Anyway. So that's all my fault. In part to set the record straight and also to address some very valid points Darren made on Twitter about films not being made in English, we are all going to try to persuade you, our listener, to catch up with some movies you might otherwise not see. Each of us have brought two films to the table. Our mission is to try to persuade the rest of the team and you, the listener, to track them down. I appreciate, as we have knowledgeable listeners, you may well have already seen some of these. Maybe all of them. If so, please let us know your views. Okay, let's get Die Party, that's German, started. <laughs> Not the way you said it. <laughs> it was, it was actually perfect. Um, and if you're picking on me for being Welsh, that's racist. We have listeners in Germany who will be writing in about that. That's one. good. Well, okay, as a result of that, every time I give out the, the title now, I'm going to give it out in its own language. <laughs> So, Darren, I'm going to start with you with a better tomorrow. Ying Hung Boon Sik. <laughs> so, what's this one about, Darren? Better Tomorrow is a gangster movie. It's a Hong, Hong Kong movie, and it's directed by John Woo. And this is the one that really put him on the map. And it also um, started his relationship with a Hong Kong star by the name of Chow Yun-Fat, who was one of my favourite actors of all time. Now, the story of this is that you have two gangsters heavies a guy called Ho and Chow Yun-Fat's character called Mark and they believe he's the muscle for a, a money laundering gang now one of the characters um, Ho uh, played by a Chinese uh, legend by the name of Tai Lung he's actually uh, wanting to um, back away from the business because he has a brother Kate who's uh, becoming a policeman so he wants to basically step away and anything that could jeopardize his relationship with his brother on his very last job, they're betrayed by a rival gang. And her whole actually ends up captured by the police and sent to jail. Mark goes after revenge against the gang who double-crossed them. And in the shootout, he himself gets shot in the knee and gets crippled. When Ho gets out of prison, his brother doesn't want to speak to him and his brother is trying to put him back into jail. He reconnects with Mark, who is down on his luck and he's sort of being forced to do really menial tasks for the new guy in charge of the gang. It's a great story about brotherhood and family. And it's got some great action movie scenes in there. It's also got sort of like a subplot going on where sort of the times are changing because when this film was being made, it was when um, Hong Kong was going to be handed back to the Chinese from England. So you've got that in the background. But it's a great uh, gangster movie. It's, it's part of a genre called heroic bloodshed, which is kind of like sort of very violent movies, but with a sort of like a, um, a moral fibre to them, a sort of like a tales of honour and redemption, that sort of thing. 
I absolutely love this movie. It's probably one of my top five movies of all time. Maybe some people find it quite dated. It looks a lot of the scenes as if it's shot quite cheaply and on video, but the scenes are put together so well. And it has this absolutely a tremendous score. It's like really sort of, um, you know, this, this score, it really gets, it gets you in the heart. There's some really awesome scenes in there. And this great shootout scene in a bar where Mark goes for revenge against the gang and he uh, does it in um, typical uh, John Wolf fashion with two guns firing at the same time. It's an amazing scene. It's not got the all-out action sense of a film like sort of John Wick, but you can see this is the sort of film that started the whole ultra action type films. This is where everything started. And I just think it's an absolutely wonderful movie. Wow, I think I've seen this movie. That two guns scene, is that where he's coming down the stairs into a kitchen? No, the the two guns scene, this is where he arrives at this uh, bar and he um, secretly places guns in plant pots along the way. And then after he sort of um, attacks them, has he uh, uh, and and basically sort of uh, shoots at everyone that was living in this restaurant, as he leaves, as the gangsters like sort of chase after him, he basically gets the guns from the plant pots on his way out and sort of keeps shooting in that way. But it's, it's an amazing scene. It's one of the sort of the classic shootout scene. To, by today's standards, it's very understated. But one thing it has that I think a lot of films nowadays don't have with shootout films is it feels brutal and violent. The gunshots are loud. You know, you sort of see blood on people. It's, it's, it's really exciting, but it's not got that choreographed look that a lot of action films nowadays. It's, it's really stylized, but it's also quite down to earth as well. Wow. I'm interested you say that. I, I haven't seen this film and I, I certainly would like to see this. I'm a big John Woo fan, but a lot of his stuff, certainly when he came over to the US, was very carefully choreographed. So he had none of that feel to this. It's very stylized. The action scenes tell a story. A, a lot of action f- films, and particularly with John Woo's later on, is that they sort of felt like sort of gymnastics with gunplay. This one is sort of really down-to-earth and, and realistic. It's quite out of ordinary for, for the time it was made. A down-to-earth blood and gut shootout. I'm sold. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I'm sold completely, actually. I've never seen it. That was easy, Darren. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the big selling points for me in this film is Chow Yun-Fat, because this was his like first film. Before this, he was like a soap opera actor, so the studios that weren't particularly... They didn't think he'd be able to pull off being sort of a gangster like this. But he has got so much charisma in this film. Whether he's trying to do something humorous or he's trying to be menacing, he's just absolutely fabulous. I became a really big fan of this. It's also a film where Quentin Tarantino absolutely loved this film. And Quentin Tarantino stole a lot of stuff from Hong Kong movies. And you can see from here what he stole because in the early scenes, they have basically black and white suits on, which are just like the ones in Reservoir Dogs. You know, it's, and they've got sunglasses on as well. There's this iconic moment where you see a Chow fat $100 bill and he lights a cigarette. He sets it on fire and lights a cigarette with it. It's just a really cool scene. It's worth watching just for him alone and his basically partnership with John Woo. I take it you were far too young to watch this when it first came out. You must have caught up with it much later. This is an 80s film. Yeah, 86, yeah, isn't um, it? 
I stumbled across The Killer at a, a local video store. And I watched that and I was absolutely blown away by it. Because action films at the time in America were quite, so I wouldn't say bland, but were quite easygoing, where this one, one was like really, really violent. When you saw people getting shot, you saw like blood spurting out of them. It was also so relentlessly action-packed. And I just, after that, I became a big fan of Hong Kong movies. And around about this time, a lot of Hong Kong movies started to get released on um, on video over here, was this craze for them. And I got this one um, on video and I just absolutely fell in love with the movie. Well, I'm sold. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you very much. I think that's one um, for everybody there. Neil, over to you. Your first film is Spirited Away, or in its original language, Send to Chikario no Kamasuki. Well, um, hang on. Not can can we have a moment it, while we all recover from that? From that terrible, yeah. terrible Japanese. I, I'm not sure I'll ever convince you of this one, Jeff. There's it, an English language version, I believe. Yes, there is. It was dubbed by, I thought Warner Brothers, but it might have been Disney. No, Lasseter had a hand It was Lasseter, yeah. Declan will probably tell you, you can't listen to the English language version of it. Got to get the feel for it. It's an animated feature, Neil. What difference does it make? Okay, watch it in whatever you like. Okay, just watch it. So Spirited Away, um, it's about the girl, Chihiro. Her father's gone to a new job in the new city. The girl has to move away from friends and familiarity into the unknown. I don't want to tell you too much of the plot, really. Basically, they get lost, they go into this tunnel and they end up in some deserted fun fair and they get separated. The film is visually stunning. It's got mysterious, it's beguiling, it's just magical. Miyazaki wrote and directed it. It's a throwback to the golden age of Disney in that it's a PG, but it acknowledges the pain of fear and death. It's got everything. It's Chihiro's has to learn to take responsibility for herself. She has to learn the value of hard work, courtesy, diligence, friendship. She has to learn to do the right thing. And there's so much going on, it's impossible to sum up. And you can probably watch it for the art alone. I am yeah. so taken with this film. It uh, won the um, best animation in 2002, I think. And so I watched it. Just fantastic. I'm not sure the kids were too interested in it. Being yeah. about... I don't think it's a kid's film. I no, really no. don't. So I, just... I have a, a serious question on this. Is My understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, Neil, is that there is a ghost world Yes, I yes. guess uh, spirited away would yeah. be without right. giving but, too much yeah, away. Yeah, but there is a ghost world that she's in, and that's part of Japanese culture here. Is that right? There's a lot to do with the spirits, various types of spirits, and the deserted fun fair lures the parents in. It's got that sort of greed and gluttony and how bad that is for you. And, of course, they start tucking into this wonderful food and it's all a a sham. They end up as, yeah, I'm not going to say. But anyway, Chihiro, she understands that there's something wrong. But she then leaves. Sorry, is that about materialism then? Yeah, there there is, but you can't really sum it up. By just about that, but it's it more is like Greek the, tragedy with the lotus eaters and those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, there's it's an very element strange. of strange. 
the greed and gluttony and materialism and how that traps you. And yet Chihiro learns the values that they are so important for the Japanese, the values of hard work, courtesy, diligence, etc. But she then wanders off and there's this bathhouse for spirits. The whole place just changes and it's all this witch, this bad witch, that's uh, governing it all, but she's running this bathhouse. She has to take responsibility for herself, stop whining, stop feeling sorry for herself, and go, right, I am going to do something about this. And she does. Around it all is this wonderful setting, and it's just so fantastic. The thing that attracts me constantly about this film, and I go back to it quite a lot, is just how weird it is. Yes. It's like looking at Japanese culture, not understanding the depths of their, their culture and, and their history and their and their stories and their fairy tales, and then trying to catch up. You know, there's a, wi- <laughs> a witch who attacks people with origami, you know, and you think, yes. what the hell's going on here? Yes. And there's little creatures that live in the bathhouse, and she lives downstairs next to the boiler, and it's just, it's so deep and, and, and interesting. And a baby. And the big baby, yeah, it's oh, weird. Big baby, <laughs> weird. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's that about? Because that big baby thing appears in Akira, which is a, a sort of another Japanese yeah. film. So have you seen this one, Darren? I have, yeah. A, a friend of mine told me about this incredible anime that she'd got on DVD. And and I, at the time, I always thought of anime as basically being like loads of sex and violence. And I looked at the cover of this film that she gave me and I thought what the hell is this <laughs> and but I watched it and I was absolutely enchanted by it mm. it's pretty much everything you've said about it a lovely sort of story about a girl finding her courage because mm. it starts off where she's basically going she's going to a new starting school and she's nervous about that and at the end of it there's this like this sort of this sense that she's sort of like you know found a confidence in there there's all these like weird characters and scenarios it, it reminds me a bit of Alice in Wonderland Yes, there's you, a little you know, element sort of, of that. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. But yes, you know, and this, but yeah, it, but it looks gorgeous. I mean, the scenes where bit later on you get this sort of like this like serpent dragon creature, and and just just so magical. It's not one that I think young kids would sort of. But, but, but I mean, young kids would probably sort of love it for the actual you know, the visuals and everything and the, and the weird sort of creatures and stuff. But I think as kids sort of get a little older, it, it is one that sort of it should be introduced. I think it's a wonderful movie. It's a good two hours long as well. I mean, yeah, it's not, uh, a, not and, a short one. Yeah, and I just want to, to pick up on what you said about a girl finding her courage because at the end, she's the one who rescues her parents. Mm, you know, yeah. so they, they've succumbed to this gluttony and they've they've actually ch- changed physically and she's the one who steers them has, back on the she path. She has to beat the witch. Yeah. And and the, thing, the thing that I find nice about it is the way she they sort of win in the end, it's not like through sort of violence or anything. No, no. They don't like sort of storm her castle and sort of like sort of fight or anything like that. Put her but in a, uses, an oven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she basically sort of, you know, she, she uses her intelligence and her weights and it's just like, I think it's just like a, it's just like a really nice feel to this movie. Yeah. Out of interest, so I already know the answer from Neil, but to you, Darren, to you, Graham, what language did you watch this in? Japanese. 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 Okay. <laughs> With subtitles. So, all right. Because my Japanese is not that good. It's a lot better than yours. <laughs> 
<laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> I have, when, I've heard it, mate. I've heard it. I when, have all the ideas. When our Japanese listeners write in and say, uh, well done, Jeff, that was spot on the title. Well, yeah. Well, bloody look at that. Oh, and they're all watching the World Cup. You've insulted 4,000 years of culture. Yeah. <laughs> I think it best we move on. Yeah, yeah. I think and, so, yeah. and over to and you quickly. then, Graham, for your first one. So we've discussed this briefly before. You've chosen Diva, or to give it its original title, Diva. Uh, what's it about? <laughs> I'm going to keep fighting for people to watch this film. I just think this is one of the best films to come out of French cinema in the 1980s. is It's a noir thriller set in Paris. And the central plot is about two misplaced audio tapes. So there's a recording of an opera star who has never been recorded and she's world famous. Uh, Cynthia Hawkins is her name. She's an American. She believes in the immediacy of the live performance and you can only experience opera through live performance and she's never permitted herself to be recorded. And a young nerdy um, music fan makes a high quality recording. And then the other tape is the confession of a prostitute who implicates the chief of police for Paris in a vice ring. So... In this noir thriller, the young hero of the story, Jules, ends up with both the tapes. And now he's got two groups after him. He's got a chief of police's hired killers coming after him to to get the prostitute's tape. And he's also got a Korean record company who are a bit shady and they want the Cynthia Hawkins tape. And it is brilliant. It is basically a Quentin Tarantino movie before Quentin Tarantino. It's got cool characters. It's got a teenage thief called Alba. It's got a philosopher detective called Gorodush. It's got a punk dwarf villain who kills people with an ice pick. It's got loads of cool action, a fantastic score, which is a mashup of techno and opera and punk music and tr- traditional French accordion music. Great sets, wonderful story, and it's full of unknown actors. Very Tarantino ish in that he just picked these you know unknown stars uh, and and did an amazing film with them now this film was so good that the director got so many offers from huge french stars for his next films this is a one off he never got this level of quality in any of other films he had, despite the fact that he had all this talent. So this is just a a flash in the pan, one hit wonder movie. And I just think it's brilliant. Uh, It's just very different. It reflects sort of the French cinema's obsession with rooms in a time when Hollywood blockbusters and the summer season was at its height in 1981. This was a small, interesting, very different film. It became famous all over Europe, but never did anything in the UK. It had a very limited release here. And it's just a tragedy for a film that's got great plot and great pace, wonderful cinematography, great action scenes, really, really interesting plot with lots of switches and turns and twists like a proper noir. It's just not seen enough. And the music's mm. great. The opera in it is fantastic. It starts with a five-minute opera song, which will tear your heart apart. It's brilliant. Now, I haven't seen it. I know you haven't seen it. No, yet. definitely not. No, Darren, I, have I you remember seen it? you talking about it. I've never heard of this film. I want to see this. <laughs> this sounds good. I, I want to see this. This sounds really good. 
It's really it dark, like really fun, and it's very 80s. You know, it's very 80s, you know. So they've got, you know, it's very dark uh, and just a great, great watch. I, I've, I keep taking it out and watching it every now and again, you know, every couple of years I'll uh, just watch it. And, and I just think, this is just really good. Why didn't anybody like this? Is it just me? Have you got this on um, DVD then? Uh, no, I've got it on streaming. So I got it on oh, streaming because all my DVDs I got rid of when I moved to um, proper digital. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Darren. Neil, you were going to yeah. say. Okay. Oh, I'll go and see it. I'll definitely go and see it. Okay. Yeah, it does sound really good. does sound good. I'm, I'm, but I'm with you on that, Darren. Who needs streaming when you've got physical media? Okay. Stream it, yeah, streaming's gonna um, eat itself at one day, and all the all the sites will go down. <laughs> I mean, you'll all be or you'll all be running to charity shops, having trying to rebuild your collections. Yeah, exactly. Again. We'll, I like we'll, this man. we'll all be living in charity shops then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my turn. Moving on. The seventh seal. Debt shunned. <sighs> you are not doing Swedish. Stop it. No, that was Swedish. No, Swedish. I, actually, there go this our is, listeners in Sweden. <laughs> all this of them is, gone in Sweden. No, seriously, the Seventh Seal is probably one of the greatest of all foreign language films. And yeah, a lot's coming out of Sweden at the moment. Everybody knows IKEA. <laughs> so you've gone from Seventh Seal to IKEA. There's oh, the rest. IKEA. There's the rest of our Swedish listeners gone. Yeah. And uh, IKEA are sending their 16 year old shop assistants across the world to sell their wares, or is it climate change? I don't know. And, oh, right. uh, and that's the Greens gone. Yeah, that's we're down to the, the four of us. That's all that's left that's listening it, to yeah. this podcast. And Darren's thinking it again. <laughs> Hello, Darren. Are you still there? Hello, mate. <laughs> The Seventh Seal just has so many huge themes. It's basically about a knight coming home from the Crusades, Antonius Block, played by the great Max von Sydow. He's coming back into a plague-ravaged world. It's almost a bit like Nosferatu. It's, It's definitely got influences of that. You know, this world is wrecked. And, of course, he comes across death. He says, I've come to claim you. And he says to death, Let's have a game on it. Doesn't do toss of a coin. He says, we'll play a game of chess. And it's this whole relationship between these two in this world that's dying all around them. It's depressing. It's stark and it's black and white. I love it. And even it's referenced in Schwarzenegger's Last Action Hero. (laughs) So that's how good it is. It goes into all sorts of cultures. To be honest, I've tried watching a couple of Ingmar Bergman's other films. I didn't get on with them, I've got to be honest. This one just captivated me for some reason. I just don't know why. I think it's tremendous. Anybody else seen it? Yeah. I think I have, but I can't remember any of it, apart from the chess match. I think I've seen the chess match, and that's about it. This is one of those films that I've not watched, and I think I've seen so many parodies of it now. Yeah. That I don't know if I'd be able to take it seriously. Well, um, uh, one of my favourite films is Diner, and there's a scene in that where they go to see it. And Steve Guttenberg sat there, and what's happening? Been watching this film for two minutes, I have no idea what's going on. That, he just, that, uh, just, that's not the scene where he sticks his dick into the popcorn, is it? 
No, that's Mickey Rourke. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that, 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 that's, in, that's in another part of the film. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, let me sum this. As, as the knight is coming back into his land, he's trying to find directions, and he sees this peasant bend over, and he goes to ask him where he is, and he pulls it back, and it's a plague-rotten corpse. That's how good this is. It's just a shocking image. I'm not selling it to anybody no. here, am I, really? <laughs> you've either seen parodies of it, you've watched it in other movies... <laughs> or you can't be asked, really. I've got I three versions it, I'm here. I'm sure I saw I it years some, ago I've, in my 20s, I mean, which is a long time ago. I've got the DVD. I'm not sure I've watched it on that. I think I'm not sure I have watched it. I am going to try and watch it. Is it? Okay. And I, mean, I will come back another time and I will comment on it. There must be something about it to have it generate so much pop culture references. Arnie referenced it in The Last Action Hero. Do I need to say any more? Yeah, when I need a... By the way, who played Death in Last Action Hero? I don't know, but... Darren, do you know who played Death? Uh, I don't know. Ian McKellen. Oh, right, okay. I don't think many people are going to rush out now to... Okay, listeners, it's up to you. Please save me here. (laughs) Tell me you've seen it. Tell me you like it. (laughs) <laughs> Paul, I know if you're listening, you're going to be in no uncertain terms what you think of this. <laughs> yeah, none of it okay, printable. let's move on. Second time around, over to Darren. Nikita, or to give it its French title, <gasps> wow. La Femme Nikita. But way back in the day when, um, uh, when Sky Satellites were before we went digital, you used to be able to pick up foreign channels and I would see trailers for this um, really cool looking movie where there was a, a woman in a sort of like a, like a cocktail dress with, in a shootout with, with people. And, this, and I just thought this film looked awesome. I managed to actually get it on video eventually, and it's just this amazing movie by Luc Besson. The story is that Nikita is a young girl. She's a drug addict, and she's in this gang. And one night, they try to rob a pharmacy, and it all goes wrong. They basically get into a shootout with the police, and she's the only survivor of the gang. She gets uh, sentenced to jail for, uh, for killing one of the policemen. And while she's there, she's basically kidnapped from a jail they fake her suicide and then they give her the option of either being killed or to be trained as an assassin for this shadowy government agency and after a very very long training period she finally gets set free but she has to basically go on missions for them and the missions get more and more dangerous as they go along and she's basically an assassin and it's just this absolutely wonderful movie it's a really great scene when it's uh, this moment where, which is uh, like her initiation as an assassin, where they test her out, where she goes out and she thinks she's going out for a birthday lunch. And the present that she's given is a gun and a target in the bar. And then she has to shoot her way out. And that's kind of her initiation. It's a great movie. One of the things in here as well is Jean Renault is in here and he plays this really spooky character known as the cleaner who basically is sent in to clean up when they make a mess of one of the jobs. He's the guy that's basically sent in to get rid of all the bodies and everything. He's a really terrifying figure, but it's also got a little bit of the Leon character that it will play later on. At the time, it was just something that I'd not seen a film with this style done. It's got a very European style. It's got a very foreboding score. It's got this wonderful tracking shot at the start that zooms in on the gang as they're walking towards their target. It's an amazing movie. I absolutely adore it. Because this is back in the day before a big explosion of um, hitmen 
movies and assassin movies came out this was one of the first ones so i think this is a really important film to to see again and again it's a sort of film that basically from like you know decades later you would see a film like john wick coming out if you like john wick it's very much got that sort of sense in the fact that she's entering this world that it's got its own subculture. So you've got, you know, you've got people like the cleaner that cleans up the jobs afterwards. It's also quite an ambiguous moral film because when she goes on missions, you don't actually know why she's being sent to kill these targets. There's one where she's sent on holiday and she's given a, a target to kill and it's some woman off in the distance. You don't know if this is like a politician, that she's somebody corrupt or it's somebody that she's to might be a good person. She's just given these targets and you never know why she's doing what you know, she's doing because she doesn't. I think this is an amazing movie. I absolutely loved it. Um, it's got loads of style. If you like your action movies, it's a really good one to go for. It's also got a really strong female protagonist She's got a bit of the, uh, the Ripley. She's not like a cool character. She gets scared. She panics and things like that. But I think this is basically one of my favourite movies. Who plays Nikita? It's an actor called um, Paralloud. Okay. I, 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 don't, I don't know what else she's done, to be honest. I've, I don't re- recall seeing her in, in anything else. But she, she is absolutely wonderful in the role. Because she starts off as this um, drug addict. But as she goes along and when she becomes assassin, you get more and more sort of sympathy for her, especially when she actually starts to have a life away from them, the life that she never had before. She meets uh, someone who she falls in love with and she wants to spend the rest of her life with him, but she can't because she's an assassin. You know, it's a really, you know, good movie to um, to check out. And it's also Luke Besson. It was like one of the ones that put him on the map. That was when he could make really good, sharp films. I love this film. I agree. I mean, that bit where she goes on sort of on holiday with the man she loves and then they give her this target and she's in the bathroom and he's outside uh, in the bedroom. That is just so intense. It's just brilliantly done. At the start, you actually see her as sort of a morally reprehensible person. And then you see her sort of not quite redeem herself, but on a redemption path until she gets to the point where she's just completely confused. How does she get out of this organization? Because she wants to be a good person. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. She's fantastic. I mean, she really is a force of nature when she's on, on the camera. She really is brilliant. Neil, you seen it? I need, I need to see it. I've seen Point of No Return, which is, of course, the English language remake with Bridget Fonda, with a great Hans Zimmer score. I can't remember much about it, though. It's a long time since I've seen it. Have you seen that one, Darren? Yeah. I mean, I saw that many years after I'd seen the key, so to me, it just looked like a cheap knockoff it is pretty much bit for beat you know the the same story as nikita but just not done anywhere near the style or the flair just like a hollywood sanitized version it's not got that essence to it yeah that's what neil said in the previous podcast Mm. quite a few times in fact to me particularly yeah yeah okay well (laughs) it sounds interesting i would go back and watch that thank you for that darren neil Kung Fu Hustle, or to give its original title, Kung Fu. <laughs> Another one we discussed before. What's it about, Neil? A character called Sing, 
is Stephen Chow, who also directs. And Singh wants to be in the Axe Gang, who have just won the turf war in this city. But he only wants to do the swaggering and the pushing people around. He doesn't want to do the Axe a bit. He's a bit lazy. And then they move on to the outlying poorer districts, and one of which is called Pigsty Alley. So hard to describe. Um, as Roger Ebert put it, it's like Jackie Chan and Buster Keaton met Tarantino and Bugs Bunny. Um, <laughs> it's pretty line. much yeah, it's a pretty much a parody of every action movie, every buddy movie. Characters are exaggerated. The endings well, it could be a parody of The Matrix. The fighting scenes are generally a parody of films like The Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Everything's taken to extreme. But that said, it's not predictable. They fight against gangsters. There's a couple of hitmen who turn up with a stringed instrument. There's a backstory of the mute girl uh, Stephen Chow used to know. It's very watchable. Stephen Chow's a very visual filmmaker, and he's quite clever with it. Many of the characters, it doesn't really do sort of vast character building. You don't get that sort of empathy with a character, really. Um, it's Many of the characters don't even get names. For example, Taylor, Landlady. Landlady is a huge part. It's Stephen Chow, and he is obsessed with the Hollywood cinema. Gang members even do little dance numbers. Yeah, it's just a wonderful, <laughs> silly nonsense thing but it's just completely entertaining it's bonkers it and it flips from genre to genre it's hard to keep up it's gangs of new york no now it's go tom and jerry and oh, no no pulp fiction oh it's, it's now funny. go western now yeah. go western now fred astaire and ginger rogers it's funny original and a fantastic film in my opinion. Yep. I haven't seen it, as most of these. I've seen it. I loved it. Yeah, it's bonkers. I've not seen it, but my fondness for Hong Kong, Hong Kong movies. So this is one I, uh, I need to check out. How, how does it differ from, say, a um, like a Jackie Chan well, movie? Kind of, from what but, you described, it, sim- it sounds similar sort of style to that. But uh, yes, it kind of subverts everything in that, takes it to its logical stupidity and bonkers. It's like Jackie Chan and Mel Brooks had a film yes. and they did it together. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah. A Jackie Chan influence in there in the in the chop socky type stuff. But it's it's got everything, little bits every day. But it kind of fits together. It's got martial arts former martial arts uh, greats in it who turn up in unexpected places. There's a big battle at the end. Singh, the main character, finds a little bit of courage. There's no real reason for it other than just having a damn good fun playing a bonkers film with everything he could think of, really. I think the most surprising thing about it is that it works. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) You know, if somebody explained it to you, you'd go... Yeah, it's just I'm trying mad. to explain it, and it doesn't make sense in my head. And I've seen it so many times. Just go watch it. Yeah, it is worth watching. I'm sure there'll be people that uh, will hate it, of course. It's going to be one of those Marmite things, I reckon. Sounds like it's right up your street, though, Darren. Yeah, I'm going to have to check this one out. Definitely. Mm, good. Okay. <clears throat> Let's move on. And I'm really proud to say Graham has picked a Welsh film for his one. The Raid, or give its original title, 
Subuan Mout. So you're saying that's a Welsh, Welsh name, name, or is that it's a Welsh in, film? It's made by a Welsh film director. It's a Welsh film director. But it's, an Evans. Indo, it's an Indonesian. You know the story as to how he made it, don't you? It's an Indonesian I mean, film. No, no. no okay, the story how he made it is he met, met his wife, who's from the country the raid is made in Indonesia. 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 Thank you. When she moved to Wales. He couldn't get work in Wales, so he moved back with his wife, started ah. making films over there. He started doing documentaries, got enough money, and so he could go do the raid. Well, he did an incredible job. Yes. A SWAT team gets trapped in a tower block. So you have a 20-man-strong elite uh, cop group who go in to take out a ruthless crime boss and they get trapped in a 30-floor apartment block. So it's the same plot as Dread. Basically, yes, that's a, they both come out at the same time as well. And did they come um, oh, a few years did, yeah. after? Yeah, this is 2011. No, I think they were pretty much about the same time they come out. They were made at the same time. Yeah, ah. um, it was a complete coincidence. But Dread came out a little later because we had to do the special effects and stuff. It was a complete coincidence. It's from the company who brought you Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Kung Fu Hustle. Mm. So it's from, it's from the same sort of uh, production house, but made by a Welsh guy. But all oh, right, yes, it's made by a Welsh guy. The thing for me was, I'm, loads of people said to me, oh, you've got to watch this. It's really, really good. And I thought, oh, okay, right, fine. And I sat down and I thought, oh, this is going to be sort of Hong Kong, sort of a ripoff. I had very low expectations. And it was so unexpected. It's so inventive. It's exciting, spectacular. It was For me, it was the best action movie in decades. Hollywood had become formulaic. And this was totally liberating. I'd never seen this level of violence in anything, the level of violence is off the chart. It really is. It's just a character-driven study. You know, you've got these good cops, you've got the the evil guy at the top of the building, and it just is just a fight upstairs, you know, as they go through and try and get to the top and take out the boss. And then the final fight scene is unbelievable, relentlessly violent and brilliant. The amount of choreography that goes into this and it doesn't look like dance it looks like they're really landing punches and they're really hurting one another Darren have you seen it because you're this is your sort of area of expertise yeah I mean I, I saw it and I was bearing in mind the amount of action films that I've, I've, I've watched in my time so it's hard to basically sort of be, be like sort of wowed by anything as new but I'd never seen anything like this it was just, just so re- relentless but also the fact that you were watching them do this. There, there wasn't sort of like sort of camera cuts and or things or sort of editing that you could see. They were just straight filming them, yeah. you know, doing these amazing scenes. And, and like you say, it didn't, you actually, even as elaborate as some of the moves and fasts were, you felt like you were watching real fights. Yeah. The actual story of it is like a simple story of sort of self-enclosed in one building working your way up it worked it worked because of that and it was sort of like you know absolutely blown away with it i absolutely loved it and also love the fact that as they as they went on they get more and more battered yes a lot of movies like particularly hollywood ones the action hero it'll basically sort of get into a fight and he'll shake it off whereas this they were sort of 
the fatigue was setting in the mm. more and more they went, you know. Yeah. It was sort of, yeah, I, I, I thought this film was awesome. And I like the way they started off with, you know, submachine guns and semi-automatic weapons, but by the time they get to the end, they've gone through knives and machetes <laughs> and, and they get to, to the end where they're just fighting with their fists as yeah. if they've just been through so much hell that they're right down to their last, you know, sort of basic weapons and they just go into this massive fight with the boss at the end. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. As you say, I mean, it's it's intense, literally. Um, it's almost claustrophobic. Yeah. It's dark, it's in the same building, etc. And it's all it's all shut down and everything. And it's a thrill ride. Yeah, and in I reckon many ways, Jeff could watch it as well. Oh, it's on not, my list. I mean, it's Welsh. Not, it's Welsh, so it's got to be much seen. Se- seen. There's not many subtitles in this because no. it's just all action. Yeah. <laughs> there's not I mean, a lot of dialogue. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the sequences are choreographed beautifully, I and mean, they're so good. But they don't seem to be. That's, they don't that's, seem that's, to be. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it is fantastic. And they can't go down. Yeah, and they constantly mess up you know they slip on the floor they slip on blood you know people get hit by accident it's just so well done i mean it's action films like angel have fallen and stuff like that have (laughs) such a long way to go to beat this yeah i think the same sort of effect i got when i watched this because i was just totally bowled over is when i saw the first uh born film you know where we went from james bond where it's very much spy action hero and then we had jason Bourne, and it's just really really fast fighting but lots of cuts yeah. in this one they've gone the other direction where you actually have the a sort of well choreographed fight scene but it's just one long take yeah it's just great it's kind of like die hard on steroids yes yeah very much i take it you wouldn't disagree with any of that darren absolutely no um but this is one of those films that i think pretty much anyone could sort of in, enjoy you know because i've known people who weren't sort of at big interaction films but saw this and were just so impressed by how relentless it, it was it is sort of like a really good like film that i think a lot of people would enjoy okay. and plus as well because there's so much action in this if you're not somebody who like who gets put off by subtitles you don't really get a lot of them at times no, no. well i'm i'm big into world cinema so it's uh, <laughs> high on my list he's trying to claim this for wales indonesia okay. well now that's all our, our listeners it's- in indonesia gone Let's go to our final one, which is me. And I've picked The Guilty, or, given its original title, Den Skyldage. What was that? Danish. So you've got to imagine the scene on this one, right? I'm at the, earlier this year, Cheltenham Film Festival. I'd had to sit through two Mike Lee films one of which I had Mike Lee sitting behind me, and bearing in mind my comments on Peter Lou, I'm glad he didn't know who I was. And <laughs> and then after all that, everybody gone, we had one last film of the day, and I just sat in on it, and it was The Guilty. It just amazed me. It kept me riveted, because I was actually stunned Ooh, and not off. is this the police film? It's the police film. So, oh, yeah, so you this were guy, bowled oh, over. Oh, absolutely. So this guy, policeman, Asger Holm, played by Jacob uh, Green. For reasons you don't quite know, but you know he's quite a highly regarded policeman, but he's been sent in to do the 999 calls where people phone in and, you know, he he gets starts his shift and people are starting to wind him up about things going on and he's telling them where to get off. And then this call comes in and it's this woman who's in a car 
and he realizes she's talking to him like she's talking to a child and he's and he twigs straight away that she's in a kidnap situation and trying to talk to a talk to a real child but has placed the 999 call so it's him then trying to use all the rescue services to get to this woman and rescue her from the dire straits potentially that she's in i don't want to give too much more than that away because it has a few surprises at its sleeve this film the nearest I can say to it, there was a film called Locke, Tom Hardy, a few yeah, years yeah. ago. Yes, yes. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. And it's like that, except there's a couple more people around this chap because he's in a control room for the most of the film. He goes in, into another room later in the film just to take some calls of his own. But if you think of Locke, you know, when he's in that car journey and you've got this and everything is on the phone, so you never see these people. You never see this woman. You never see the situation she's in. He's relating it to you. And as the story goes on, his backstory comes out as to why he's really there and the moral dilemma he's in. It's a tremendous film. I was hooked from beginning to end. Wanted to know where it was going. The surprises really caught me. I thought it was great. Have you seen it, Darren? This is the first I've ever heard of this film, and this this sounds great. It does, doesn't um, it? Yeah, yeah I, I loved Locke. I thought for, for a premise that sort of like, you know, if you, you've just got Tom Hardy in a car for 90 minutes, and I thought that film was amazing. And This sounds great. I'm just wondering why I've never actually heard of this film. It's, it's incredible. It's on Netflix now, I believe. They just put it on there. Oh, no way. They have I've, just put I've it on Netflix. I've been looking out for this, because actually when you'd seen it, yeah. You, and you came back and said, oh, this is amazing. And I immediately tried to look at... Well, when, when I was, uh, you know, as part of the committee of the Stroud Film Society, it, it's one of the films I've got on there for this year. Okay. So uh, I'm really pleased with that. And we got that coming up, I think, at the end of this year. But it, it's a tremendous film. It is on Netflix. Oh, um, excellent. Right, well, that's a definite. Did you know that, I'm just looking up on the internet now, there's going to be an American remake of it. Oh, that worries me. <laughs> yeah, um, it's got, uh, according to this, it's got Jake Gyllenhaal in it. Uh, maybe, oh, yeah. Right, okay. yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I can see him as that as that part. Uh, I just hope they don't feel this need to broaden it out of that control centre. It doesn't need it. Yes, it works like a play, but it's very intense, and and the twists are great. One of the things you said about it, I remember after you'd watched it, was it was quite claustrophobic in the, mm-hmm. the control centre. Absolutely. And it's, it, yeah, and okay. more so as it, as it becomes more intense, and I'm not going to give any of the plot away, but as it becomes more intense, he then takes himself into another room out of the main control. So it really does become like Locke. It's this one guy on a phone to all these different rescue services, to this woman in this car, and just takes it down that way. Have you seen it, Neil? No, no, no. I've just written it down on my list now. Yeah, I've so watched it's on, on Netflix. Netflix, Netflix yep. is definitely worth a look at. So I'm glad I've sold that all to you. Oh, definitely. So I'd like to say thank you all. I think we've come up with some good titles there. There's a couple I'd like to see. There's a good Welsh movie that I haven't seen. (laughs) I will definitely add to my list. And for Darren, I imagine you've got there Kung Fu Hustle, which surprised me that you hadn't seen it. And Diva. And Diva. Um, So And The Guilty. Yeah, and The Guilty, absolutely. Yeah. And the same for the guys here. It has been a fascinating discussion. I think we ought to do another one of these, to be yeah. honest, in the new year. Just get uh, all the various seasons, Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving, all of that over with. I'd like to come back and talk about some more foreign films with all you guys, if that's okay. Yep. 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 Definitely. Yeah, brilliant. 
Over to you, the listeners, now. What do you think of our selection? Do you think they're fair? Do you think they're silly? Have we missed something fundamental? <laughs> well, one of them was silly. Yeah. <laughs> Kung Fu Hustle. That's very silly. Uh, Sorry. And your pronunciation. On. Sorry, Jeff. My yes. pronunciations are awesome, and I'll do more of that in the uh, follow-up show. But let us know. And that especially goes out to you, Paul, as you were very keen <laughs> on all these foreign language films. And being Welsh yourself, Paul, I imagine the raid will be right up your street. <laughs> anyway. Is that a Welsh thing? It is a Welsh thing. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. And goodbye. See you next time. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. To make sure you never miss an episode of this podcast, please subscribe to At The Flicks at our website, attheflicks.uk. And if possible, please remember to rate and review At The Flicks wherever you get your podcasts. You can contact the team on Twitter or by email. Our contact details are also on our website, attheflicks.uk. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.